a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution, forgiven me. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins which we're supposed to be conquering have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is, is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. You're in for it. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Uh, welcome to another edition. In today's edition of Table Talk Radio, we got some email buzzwords, and then uh, Lumpy might make an appearance. And then, yeah, he's doing work right now, trying to get ready for the show. Oh yeah, is he? He probably works pretty intensely right there in the in the <laughs> beginning part of the show. Yeah, he's he? an he's he's an intense fellow. Buff too. Yeah, I mean, we hired this guy to do show prep for us, and then he does it during our show. You'd think that you know, if we're gonna come up with a a, a, a separate identity to do show prep, that he could at least actually do show prep. <laughs> you know, I I'm, I'm just amazed I, uh, how how like uh, Lumpy is like your preparation philosophies. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Very similar, me and him. We think a lot alike. That's why I like this guy so much. Now, uh, which by the way, I think what's really interesting is that we have to hire a private investigator to figure out what other people believe. Uh, so we'll work. Well, uh, maybe I'll ask Lumpy why that is. Yeah, we'll ask Lumpy. Do do a little bit of research. Why we have to hire you? All right. <laughs> okay, and then we're doing some uh, bumper sticker and church sign theology. Still adding to our worldview catalog of was like four right now. Um, no, we're, uh, we we want a bumper stick. We want a worldview for every bumper sticker. So let me pull <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing up. Right. See how many we have so far. Ending up the show with ten commandments in the news. So that's the Table Talk Radio lineup. Uh, but first, let's start off with some theological buzzwords. Okay. Got one? Want one? Yeah. Martyr. Ooh. Martyr. By the way, I just pulled it up. We have eight worldviews so far. So maybe we can get to ten. One for each commandment. Now, uh, martyr is, it comes from the Greek word martyreo, which means to witness. I mean, especially to be an eyewitness. So, um, so uh, especially the Gospel of John, it talks about the witness of Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. And that now is the apostolic witness, is that they stand as witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. They saw him resurrected. Now, we, we normally think of martyr as someone who dies for the faith, and, and these two things are connected because then in the early centuries, during times of official persecution, uh, people would stand there and say, "I believe in Jesus," and they would st- they would uh, take the claim to be the witnesses of Jesus, and for that, in thanks for that, they'd get killed. Yeah. Have we ever talked about the poor translation of the uh, uh, "Mercy Witness Life Together" uh, logo? No. 
I mean, I I can't uh, speak against it at all. <laughs> yeah, get Lumpy on. Lumpy will speak against it. <laughs> all right, Lumpy's here. So mercy, witness, and life together, and then we have the three Greek words, which are uh, 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 diakonia, which mm-hmm. means which means service, mm-hmm. uh, koinonia, which means fellowship, and martyria, which means witness. Yeah. So, you so, know. Anyway. So that's like the uh, that's like the new living translation of the uh, <laughs> of our logo there. Yeah, yeah. Fella, apparently, the English word, while the Greek word koinonia is okay, the Greek the English word fellowship brings with it too much baggage. <laughs> so life together is much better. So life together, that's right. That yeah. brings hardly any baggage aside from Bonhoeffer. Which, by the way, this uh, my my uh, new favorite quotation in the world is from that Dietrich Bonhoeffer book, uh, Life Together. <laughs> How do you say it? How do you say Bonhoeffer? I well, I you would you would probably say Bonhoeffer and uh, and, and Leah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't say lay, I say lay. Uh, yeah. So anyway, my I, my German is almost. Uh, uh, I'm gonna read this quote from Bun Hefer. Oh, get on. Okay, it. give me your buzzword first while I find it. Okay, my uh, theological buzzword for you to thank you to the compliments of uh, Theopedia is new atheism. Uh, it says uh, new atheism. New atheism is a movement which puts atheism on the front lines of current cultural conversation. It is spearheaded by people such as Richard uh, Dawkins, uh, the late Christopher Hitchens, uh, Sam Harris, and and Daniel Dennett. Uh, Out of these four, Richard Hawkins is considered to be the leader. The new atheists are dramatically opposed to any and all types of theism, especially Christian theism. What the new atheists share is a belief that religion should not simply be tolerated, but should be countered, criticized, and exposed by rational argument whenever it uh, whenever its influence arises. Now, uh, under the criticism section, then it says this: the new the- new atheism has received significant criticism from Christian apologists, with number with, excuse me with numerous books being written in response. Many of the arguments presented by the new atheists have been criticized by Christian apologists as being generally weak with the prominent figures behind the new atheism receiving criticism for writing outside their fields of experience. The noted uh, philosopher Alvin uh, um, Pantinga uh, has stated that many of Richard Dawkins' philosophy... Plantinga? Plantinga? Plantinga. Okay, Alvin Plantinga. Alvin Plantinga has stated that many of Richard Dawkins' philosopher <laughs> philosophical arguments in his Plantinga. book *The God Delusion* would receive a failing grade in a sophomore philosophy class. <laughs> Good thing he's not in that class. Yeah. All right. Okay. Did you have that quote then? Uh, oh yeah. Here. Uh, this is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's from his *Life Together*. Otherwise. I think the, originally the title was just Koinonia. Yeah, this is great. God hates visionary dreaming, Bonhoeffer writes. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. 
He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law, and judges his brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of the brethren. He acts as if he's the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. When things don't go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of the brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. God hates visionary dreaming. Hey, that, by the way, won me issues, etc. blog of the week, you know. Congratulations. You probably. Wait a minute. You just quoted someone else and you got a blog of the week? Yeah, baby. Did you actually write something on this or just? Yeah, I did. I had one, one sentence. I would only add this. If what happens, if this is what happens when things don't go the visionary's way, it's even worse when they do. Hmm. That's all I said. Um, that's hmm. my insightful kind and, of. And then you got wow. you got issue etc. Blog of the week for that. Oh yeah, baby. Not a lot yeah. of competition gold. out there. That's blog gold. Come on, Lutheran that's blogosphere. Blog gold. What? Where's your blog? Uh, I do kind of Solo. have a blog. That would be your blog. Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I I I don't know. <laughs> All alone. You could be. You could write the Lonely Way Volume Three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now let's go to the emails. Okay. Uh, you got one there? No, I didn't I didn't do any work at all for this show. <laughs> I mean, I could pull one up. Give me a minute. Don't you have one? Uh, no, I don't. Um, we got a we got an email from Hans Feeney, every uh, contemporary Christian music song ever written. We're not going to play that today though. You got to wait for that. Um, let's see. Church signs uh, modalism for Lumpy. Ah. Oh, we read that already. I better mark that as red, song cruncher, church sign theology. Here's one. Let me pull this thing up. Church sign theology. You have one Don't job worry, everyone. We're to read there. emails. Do <laughs> <laughs> want to read this email I got from the uh, Board of oh, Ed I last got a, night? I got a voicemail oh, here we can respond to. Want to, want to do a voicemail? All right. Okay, here's a voicemail. I'm pulling up church signs, but yeah, let's yeah. do a voicemail. This uh, message is for Pastor Brian and Pastor Evan. Um this is Rick Stadler. I'm calling from McMurdo Station, Antarctica. I heard you mention me on your show today. Uh, I listened to the podcast, and um, thanks for the airtime. And uh, it's kind of funny that uh, you mentioned the God Whispers. They've talked to me too. Uh, but at any rate, just wanted to say hi, and uh, I sent you an email. So uh, y'all take care. And God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you for, for to our uh, southernmost listener on Table Talk Radio. We're going to get – we're not going to get another phone call from that far away until someone calls from the moon. <laughs> All right. We successfully completed the first segment. Now we can move on to the real show of Table without, Talk Radio. Without reading an email? <laughs> Oh, I just don't, I just finally got it open. Well, uh, oh. if you want to send us an email, maybe we'll get to it uh, next show. That is uh, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or you can give us a call, leave us a voicemail message, 1 800 385 SOLA, 1 800 385 7652. Coming up on Table Talk Radio, Lumpy will be joining us. And uh, Ten Commandments in the News, bumper stickers after that. Don't go away, you're listening to Table Talk Radio.
In a recent survey, 98% of listeners can't stand Table Talk Radio. We would like to express our gratitude to those who did not participate in the study. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Lumpy, you could have used the door. You didn't have to come in from the skylight. You there, Lumpy? All right. All right. Welcome back, Lumpy. All right, Lumpy, so we want... By the way, yes, thank you. Glad to be on the show. I want to know first, though, does Pastor Wolfmuller need to do anything to prepare for the next segments? I'm going to tell him that now so that the next segments are not a train wreck like the first one. You might want to tell him that uh, we have Tinkmams in the news coming up. He'll need a news item for that. So just heads up. I'll let him know. Now, we we Uh, had another little side project for you because we were wanting to know why is it we even have to hire a uh, private investigator to answer questions about what other people believe. Yeah, you, because, so we've. I think we've talked. You guys have talked about this before on the show. I mean, and that is that uh, nobody is confessional like a Lutheran is confessional. And there, and so look, you can say, "Hey, the Lutherans believe," and then you fill in the blank. But you can't say that sentence about anyone else. I mean, even our close cousins, the Calvinists, uh, <laughs> who we would think might have, be actually confessional, you can't say that about it. Because you say, hey, Calvinists believe, and then you know what happens? I'll tell I don't you what believe happens. That. Our show happens. <laughs> say, in, this, uh, in this confession from 1402 from Southern Ireland, you know, or this confession from 1917 from Pennsylvania or whatever, how in the world do we have? We, that should be the next job that I'll take on. If uh, I'll wait for you guys to tell me, though, but to find out how in the world, how many confessions the Calvinists have, there's 500 <laughs> confessions. So even though they are confessional, there's a bajillion confessions. So no. And then and you can't say that about, you know, I mean, the whole idea of being non-denominational is just a testimony to the fact that you can't say the non-denominational folks believe fill in the blank because it's that's the whole point of being non-denominational. Emergent church, same thing. Roman Catholics. I mean, at least the Tridentine Roman Catholics had the idea that you ought to be able to say what you believe clearly, even though what they believed was totally ridiculous. But at least they had the idea that they ought to believe something. But now, you know, you read Vatican II, and it's like, woo, you go, it's like searching around the fog for a distinction. Is there a distinction around here anywhere? Anyone going to make a distinction? <laughs> Christian, non-Christian, saved, not saved, dead, alive, anyone going to make some distinction around here? No, no distinctions to be found. Just love the Pope. Woohoo. Now this is so this is how most people are. I mean, so nobody. So so you say, well, hey, do do uh, does Calvin teach limited atonement? It seems like that would not be a big thing to figure out. Do the Methodists have the sacraments? It doesn't seem like this would be a deal. But you have to have a private investigator on the job. Uh, for not cheap. Also, I note should note not cheap to hire a private investigator for. Oh, it's like cheaper this. than you but probably it's the think. Reason is <laughs> <laughs> because nobody because nobody believes like a Lutheran believes. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, normally we make this distinction between conservative and liberal, and the and the and the question is: Is the Bible inerrant? Is there things wrong in the Bible or not? Of course, we say no. Of course, there's nothing wrong in the Bible. I mean, who wrote it? God, and He doesn't make mistakes. So. uh 
uh, so we say that the Bible is inerrant, but there's a whole nother wing of the church, the libs, whacked out libs, who believe that the Bible has errors in it. But that's not the only time, that's not the only way that these meta-distinctions are made. You also have it uh, with the efficacy of the scripture. Does the Bible do what it says? There's a whole group that says yes, I mean, that says no, the Bible doesn't do what it says. Well, we Lutherans steer and say the Bible's efficacious. And then the other big one, you know the other big one? The clarity of the scriptures. Are the scriptures clear? It's really only the Lutherans that say that the scriptures are clear. Everyone else has to have scripture and something else, like scripture and tradition, or scripture and experience, or scripture in the church. And if you have the and, all you have is whatever's after it. Now, look, our Calvinist buddies would say the scriptures um, are clear, and they would try to join us on that. But here's the problem. They do not have the efficacy of the scripture. Because, and here's the root of the problem with Calvin and the doctrine of the limited atonement. Calvin does not teach the efficacy of the scriptures, but rather the efficacy of the cross. And this is why this question, does Calvin teach the limited atonement, is so difficult. We make a distinction. So we're now we're moving on. You ready? Mm-hmm. We're, now we're talking about Calvin. I have, I Are you with me? On. You tracking? Yep. yep. Any, any questions about the previous uh, topic of discussion? Uh, no. Please okay, we're continue. moving on. Yeah. Now, so... so uh, we we make the distinction between the way the forgiveness of sins is won and the way the forgiveness of sins is distributed. Remember, Luther talks about this in his against the heavenly prophets. So the forgiveness of sins is won for us on the cross. That's how it's won. But it's distributed throughout the world, both in time before the cross and now in time after the cross, by the word of God and anything that the Lord would attach the promise of the word to. So, for example, in the New Covenant, we have the word in water, baptism. We have the word in the body and blood of Jesus, the Lord's Supper. In the Old Testament, they had the word and the prophets. They had the word and the, um, and the sacrifices. They had the word and circumcision. So that this is the way that the forgiveness of sins was being delivered. And it's the delivery of the forgiveness of sins where God, the Holy Spirit, works to create faith and to justify us, Right? So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word is the delivery of salvation. Calvin makes no distinction between the delivery and the death of Jesus, so that the death of Jesus is what is efficacious for salvation. You see it? Mm -hmm. So if the death of Jesus is efficacious for salvation, then, then, his death can only be for those who are actually saved. Right, because not and everyone is, is saved, how you obviously. So uh, right. if it's the death of Jesus that enacts it, then not everybody can be included in that because not everyone is saved. Yeah, so I have a quote now. This is from Concerning the Eternal Predestination of God. Okay. To this pretended difficulty of Pigius, I don't know who that is, I would briefly reply that Christ was so ordained the Savior of the world that he might save those that were given to him by the Father out of the whole world, that he might be the eternal life of them whom he is the head, that he might receive into a participation of all the blessings in him, all those whom God adopted to himself by his own unmerited good pleasure to be his heirs. Hence we read everywhere that Christ diffuses life into none but the members of his own body, and he that will not confess that it is a special gift and a special mercy to be engrafted into the body of Christ, has never read with spiritual attention Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. 
Hereupon follows also a third important fact, that the virtue and benefits of Christ are extended unto and belong to none but the children of God. So what Calvin does is he makes no distinction between atonement and justification. <laughs> right. <laughs> and because justification is limited, which we all confess, especially what we call subjective justification, because it's limited, then the atonement has to also be limited. Yeah, very good. Well, Lumpy, I, I'm we, your check is in the mail. We, we sent it uh, <laughs> days ago. That's pretty good. Now, do you want to then? Oh, be investigating that. Is this your? Yeah, <laughs> is this then your uh, conclusion to the project then? Yeah, I think uh, I think we both got to the um, we got to the difficulty of the question and we figured out why it was so difficult and then we um, uh, and, and then we got to a solution. Now maybe a, a follow up might simply be to say, uh, is it true that the atonement is limited? <laughs> and for that we would have a little Bible study uh, about scriptures that teach, um, uh, for example, uh, th- that the atonement is for the sins of the entire world. And and then it might be helpful also to make this distinction, to show in the scriptures this distinction between the winning of forgiveness and the delivery of forgiveness, that Jesus wins. Uh, in, in fact, in fact, that little paradigm there, the distinction between the winning and distributing of the of forgiveness of sins could probably be brought to look at a lot of false doctrine, uh, to see where a lot of people go wrong. For example, the Catholic doctrine of the Mass falls short at this point, as well as all the revivalistic shenanigans of people coming to the cross also fall short of this distinction between the winning of forgiveness and the distributing of forgiveness. In fact, it's, so think about it this way. Are you ready? You ready for this? Yeah, I still have my seatbelt on. All right. We think that the, and I might have said that, or Pastor Wolfmuller, I think I got this from him, uh, is that we say that the salvation of the world is in the blood of Jesus, but but imagine the, the soldier at the cross who's who's crucifying Jesus and has Jesus' blood literally all over him, but is not saved, you know? You know this thing? He gets home at night and his wife says, oh, another crucifixion. Look at this bloody mess you've got. He has the blood of Jesus all over him, and yet his sins are not forgiven because Jesus does not distribute his forgiveness by his death. He, he distributes his forgiveness by the word of the gospel, the promise of the forgiveness of sins. So it is not our work now to go back to the cross to get the Lord's forgiveness because the Holy Spirit brings the forgiveness straight to us in the word. Your sins are forgiven. And I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is my body. The Holy Spirit is delivering to us the forgiveness that Jesus won on the cross. This also, by the way, explains why so many people have problems with the Lutheran doctrine of the sacraments. Because, look, they say, you can't be saved by baptism. That's works righteousness. No, baptism is not a work. It's not different than the cross. It is Jesus uh, sending his Holy Spirit to bring the benefit of the cross right to us. Yeah, I was meeting with the uh, community pastors yesterday. And uh, we were, I was teaching them about the Caberly's uh, witch ladders, you know. And, um, of course, they, they readily agree with, with everything that I said. There was nothing that I would have said in the witch ladders that they would have disagreed with. But um, it, it uh, would make sense that if, if God then has to come down to us out of majesty for our salvation, then he must also then get, come down to us for the delivery of that through ordinary things like word and sacrament. Um, so, all right, I'll uh, we'll do some bumper sticker theology after this.
one of the best decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I think I am well-rounded. I spent many years in school. Everybody said that I'd go far. But I've got one single thought, one thought that stands alone, and I stick it on the bumper of my car. One great thought is on my car for all my friends to see, and it also helps to define me. And it tells to all the world just what matters most, but most of all, it tells the guy behind me. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. It is time I'm for... I'm still against that song. ...bumper sticker in church sign theology. Where's um, the bumper sticker him? Uh, I'm saving that for your birthday. Saving that for your birthday. <laughs> okay, in this I'd game, love to do, by the way. Uh, all right. Wait, you want me to congratulate him? Yeah. I'll, let, I'll let you do that in your own time. We don't have to I put our, our listeners through that. <laughs> Uh, church sign of bumper sticker theology is uh, where we uh, read your your bumper stickers that you send in to us at one eight hundred three eight five SOLA or questions at tabletalkradio.org and then we run this through a, 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 a figure out what what are we calling this our, our worldview catalog here and uh, Pastor why don't you give yep. us two or three of those so we can know what we're working with here garbage in garbage out that's one of them that's karma. Uh, a little less conversation, a little more action. That's pietism. Haunted house evangelism. <laughs> that's the other one. That's scaring people into the faith. Oh, yeah, yeah. God is a super nice guy. My favorite is Jesus is my homecoming king. Ah, yes. Probably the most popular one so far. All right. So those are some of the worldviews that we're dealing with. And uh, we'll just uh, read these church signs and bumper stickers. Are you ready, then, for the first one? Here's a church sign. Sure. Hey, guys. I love your show. This is Aaron listening in Saginaw, Michigan. I just had a uh, church sign to add to your collection. Uh, this is from one of our local ELCA churches, and the sign reads, figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Just thought you guys might want to crunch that one. Thanks a lot. Love your show. Bye. Okay. What is, figure out what will please Christ and do it. Yes. What so the, worldview this, that this is. This would be some sort of a, a works righteousness view. Yeah, probably a little less conversation, a little more action. Yeah. I wonder how you're supposed to figure that out. There's, you got a handful of ways of figuring out what will please Christ. You got the mysticism route, <laughs> which is to to sense it. What are the other ways you could figure out what please? You could probably read the Bible, but that seems a little, probably a little bit too uh, too a little more. Uh conversation not enough action <laughs> yeah not enough action <laughs> we do we do have this just do it uh worldview but that's more for kind of the self-esteem do what you want hedonistic kind of worldview hmm. uh yeah what if the problem comes the, i mean the problem of course comes uh in figuring out what jesus wants you to do which is by the way the ten commandments and then going out and trying to do the Ten Commandments and finding out that they're never done. <laughs> and then, so you got two, I mean, you got two options when you got the just do it, uh, just do the law sort of thing. I mean, you, you either think wrongly, you're self-deceived that you have kept the law, and then that's called pride. Or the other option is that you realize that you don't keep the law, and then you get to the option number two, 
which is despair. Yeah. It's like you call the Ten Commandments on the phone and it says, press one for prideful delusion, <laughs> press two for despair. <laughs> Those are your only options. In Espanol, press el treinta. Okay, here's, here's some bumper stickers. Hi, it's Bonnie in Kansas. I saw a car that had two bumper stickers. One said, evolutionists do it with increasing complexity. And the other one said, born okay the first time. Which, being a worker, <laughs> I had to sit and think about for a couple of seconds. Anyway, uh, oh. that's it. See you. All right. <laughs> that's good. Those bumper stickers are good for jokes, you know. I mean, if nothing it's else, tricky the bumper sticker <laughs> jokes because you have um because you ha- you can't have a build up. You just have a punchline. The punchline has to be the whole thing. Everything is included in the punchline. That's kind of your your way of life, isn't it? Evolutionists do it with more complexion. Yeah. That would be the... What's our evolution worldview? Um, karma. I should probably be looking at an, this, huh? Do we have an evolutionary worldview? I don't think so. You better you better invent one. Remember, we, we make a new one for each bumper sticker? Yeah. We should come up with one for evolution. Evolution. You can't just say evolution, though. we got to come up with a catchy sort of name. Table talk radio style. What was the second one? It said "born okay" the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're trying to get at anyone to talk about being born again. No, no, no. I don't need to be born yeah, again. Yeah, there's I'm, born I'm again. Born I don't need to be born time. again. Yeah. yeah, I'm just fine. Your first go around was good. You know, you don't need a redo. Uh, that's probably got to be. Um, that's probably got to be. I don't know what that one would be. We got We need a category for this. The kind of prideful evolution. Um, what would it be? Something like, uh, the world's getting better and I'm proof. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put that down as a tentative evolutionary worldview in our catalog. <laughs> the world is getting better and I'm the proof. <laughs> How's that sound? All right. As we I, should make these, uh, as I hear you typing over there, I also see it changing on my screen here. It's creepy, isn't it? I, f- I figured I should probably open this up and, and look at what you're talking about. So, All right. Okay, so you got here's... Any more over there? I do. Uh, two more. Hey, this is Will from New Jersey. I uh, have a church sign for you. Um, it says, I love you since the beginning of time. Be mine. Yeah, that's an easy one. That's the Jesus is my homecoming king, without question, which is basically the summary of American religion. <laughs> Jesus is my homecoming king. Didn't that? Didn't there a line go into our uh, buddy Hans Feeney's uh, every praise song ever written that says something like, I'm going to sing to you in words that are vague enough that I could also sing it to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna spoil. Oh, you guys will be so happy to hear that yeah, song. Yeah. It's hilarious. Got stuck in my head. Like grace and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what a great song! You, you right. listened to that four or five times yesterday. No, just once, and then it played over and over. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so Hans, uh, Pastor Hans Feeney, who uh, is the um, creator of Lutheran satire. Uh, made a, a a praise song that he is releasing. I think we're gonna hold off. Are we gonna hold off on it a bit? Or? Yeah, we're gonna hold off because he's gonna he's gonna go into studio and produce it with high quality. Yeah, nice. 
Well, that was a, a bad recording that he cut, though. But okay, no, I didn't think it was too bad either. But you know, we uh, we are connoisseurs <laughs> of good audio quality. Yeah, we also think that our show is all right. So, <laughs> right, yeah. that's right. All right, here's another yeah. here's another church sign. Hi there, Reverend uh, Wolfman and, and Reverend Gigline. Uh, just saw a church sign. It's uh, Macedonia Baptist Church, and it says. Preaching moves men. Prayer moves God. All right. Have fun with that. Take care. Bye. Okay. What do you think of that one? This is an interesting one. Yeah. Preaching moves men. Prayer moves God. Huh. (laughs) I don't know what I think about that. I mean... You know the da- the danger that we have to watch out for in something like that is what is this doctrine open theism, you know, mm-hmm. which talks about how there is no set future, so God doesn't know the future, but just the possibilities, and and we are all by our free will affecting the future and all this. It's kind of a, it's kind of an uh, an open uh, metaphysic that then changes our doctrine, which says God never changes. But I do think that we ought to be able to say. um, we ought to be able to say when we read the Bible is that look when God tells us to pray he the expectation is that the Lord hears our prayers and answers them Uh so that every significant act that God does in the Old Testament especially is in response to prayer I mean he comes and rescues the people why because he heard their prayers he doesn't go and wallop the people in the wilderness why because Moses prays he sits there and says look uh, for the sake of ten righteous, uh, he hears the prayer of Abraham and says, for the sake of ten righteous, I won't go and destroy Sodom. So that the Lord hears and answers our prayers, and that is just a, a fact. No matter what kind of philosophy has to grow out of that, I don't know. Hmm. Um, so I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right with it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, we have this, this wonderful uh, uh, hymn by um, uh, Paul Gerhardt that says that... Um, uh, that uh, what is that? Ooh, song? That's a sound I like. <laughs> the uh, why should cross and trial grieve me? And it says uh, the father's heart or God's heart is moved by prayer, um, which is a, a similar similar uh, idea there. So I, I think you're right. This might be okay. So all right, we need try to listen to the song, Evan. All right, I'll shut up so you can sing along. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio.
how many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? You'll probably have to settle for one. There's only one God, Ten Commandments, because God loves us. Ten Commandments, and here they are. Move your holy heart to bless what others have. Help your neighbors keep what belongs to them. Be kind, kind, kind with your words. Ask for what you need, don't take. How would you like it? Love is sacred, keep it pure. And life is sacred, love it all. Respect the ones who care for you. Dedicate your work, playing and best on to God. God's name is special, so use it that way. And don't fool yourself, there's only one God. A quick review of the Ten Commandments for uh, Table Talk Radio's game, Ten Commandments in the News. Did they get the numbers right? Yeah, they did. Who is that then? <laughs> you want to know who that is? Hold on. I, I got to find it. No one ever gets the numbers right. You I know that you go to the Bible bookstore and you want to buy the Ten Commandments to put over your courtroom wall and everything? And they got <laughs> the know. numbers all wrong. I know. And and they need to put, you know, uh, four, I guess there's like, what, three different versions of the numberings? Put three different mm-hmm. versions of the Ten Commandments up to appease everyone, right? That's right. That's what I'm for. I'll, I'll look that up and let you know. Making everybody happy. I'm for that. Unlike the Calvinist's God. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, that probably doesn't make everybody happy. <laughs> I'm against what I just said. All right. Uh, don't, uh, what what uh, news item do you have for Tinkman's in the News? Abortion, birth control, grab political spotlight. AP, Dayton, uh, Dateline, Dayton, Ohio. Political turmoil over abortion and birth control spread suddenly on Tuesday. A high-ranking official resigned from the Komen Breast Cancer Charity after its uh, backtracking treaty with Planned Parenthood. The Republican presidential candidates blistered the Obama administration for a recent ruling on Catholic hospitals and contraception. The White House made a point of declaring it wanted to ease the concerns of church-affiliated employers. Many would be required to provide birth control coverage uh, to their workers under the new rules, but there was no word on how these concerns might be addressed. The two-track drama pumped new fervor into long-standing disputes that sometimes take a backseat in political campaigns because the lines are so f- familiar and f- uh, firmly drawn. Last week's common Planned Parenthood dispute stirred many women's groups that support legal abortion, and the Obama ruling touched a nerve with moderate Roman Catholics who support contraceptives but also defend their church's right to run its hospitals and other institutions according to religious convictions. Republican presidential candidates pounced on what they considered a blunder by President Barack Obama. They believed his administration's rulings will alienate moderate Catholic voters who could prove crucial in November in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere, etc. Wow. Yeah, this is a big deal, uh, and it's going to be it's yeah. interesting to see how this is going to play out. Um, uh, so, so there's a, a, a couple a couple things wrapped up in that article. First of all, is this um, um, uh, Coleman Foundation, which decided to not give their grants to Planned Parenthood because, well, the reason they say, stated at first was because they're being um, investigated um, uh, for a for a federal crime. Um, Many people oppose um, the the Coleman Foundation of, of of giving grants to Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood is the uh, number one abortion provider in America. I think a third of their income comes from abortions. That, that's that's, that's crazy. Um, 
Uh, but uh, after after making this decision, uh, they they decided, okay, okay, we're gonna change we're gonna change our the rules. Um, we really just did that because of uh, political pressure. Um, so we're we're <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna do it after all. Now we're only gonna deny grants to those who've been convicted of fraud. <laughs> so it's okay if you're being investigated for it. Just not. There you go. Um, but what we had, uh, we had, um, um, what's your name, step down from the Coleman Foundation because of it. Now the other yep. thing that's that's going on in the article that you read is the uh, the birth control issue because in the uh, Obamacare that's coming out, it requires healthcare providers to uh, completely pay for women to to uh, go to the clinic to receive um, uh, the birth control pill or contraceptives, and uh, and Catholic. The Roman Catholic Church has always been opposed to, uh, to to the use of birth control. So they're saying, "Hey, wait a minute! This is infringing upon our religious freedom. Um, why should our um, Catholic organizations have to su- support something that we are doctrinally opposed to?" Um, and you know what? They have a point. That <laughs> uh, they shouldn't have to be uh, forced to uh, to this. So, what commandments are involved here? Well, anytime you're dealing with the government, you're dealing with the fourth commandment: honor father and mother. And other mm-hmm. authorities. Uh, and talking about abortion, this is the, the fifth commandment: you shall not murder. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, dealing with uh, birth control and family always deals um, with the sixth commandment: um, uh, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. So uh, we have mm-hmm. four, five, and six right in a row there. Um, One's automatic, right? Because whenever you're dealing with any of the commandments, you go with number one. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got. Any any others that I missed? I think that's right. That's good. You could probably put the seventh commandment in there for, um, uh, because of this the kind of the the scandal for the um, with the fraud thing. You shall not steal. Oh yeah. And you good. probably can put the eighth commandment in there anytime you have campaigning involved. It's probably eighth commandment stuff. <laughs> you not bear false witness. <laughs> So that's the uh, the because we're in the political season now, so the Eighth Commandment starts to come up again. So, by the way, since we're talking about this, I think this is pretty important that Christians, whenever we go to vote, which is coming up here in a few months, we got to go and vote at, for people who don't want to kill babies. <laughs> that's got to be number that's one. always good advice. I mean, just yeah. without question, this is just it's just I don't know when you know when. People are looking back on this era of our country, the last 40 years, in 100 years from now, and to see it as the darkest time in the history of mankind when the, when we thought it was okay to kill babies. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's utterly, utterly obscene, uh, this whole abortion thing. Yeah. It's just, it's just unfathomably uh, wicked. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. All right, yeah, I have a news item for you. Ready? I'm ready. We have, um, let's see, Facebook murder. <laughs> Come on, jeez, ridiculous. Okay, uh, my news item for you is three ways Facebook plans to exploit users. <laughs> in a <laughs> in a move hitting the front page of nearly every newspaper in the world, social networking giant Facebook took the first steps toward an initial public offering IPO yesterday by filing what's called an S-1 form with the Securities and Exchange Commission. But folks desperate to buy shares still have to wait for at least another three months until they see the company debut on the stock exchange and under the ticker symbol FB. So why all the fuss? Despite 
um, because despite of all we think we know about a company that counts a membership equal to more than 10% of the Earth's population, just 10%, uh, Facebook's filing was the first choice uh, for outsiders to see the different ways Facebook profits from users. A careful read of the S1 reveals Facebook's plans to make even more money from members using the free service to connect with old friends. Earlier today, my co-host Matt Nesto and I discussed three ways Facebook plans to exploit the user in order to justify their plans to increase revenues, profit, and valuation. The list may disturb you. Number one. Facebook is going to sell users for $120 each. According to their filing, Facebook had 850 million monthly active users at the end of 2011. From the user base, the company generated roughly $3.7 billion in revenue, or just under $4.5 for every, uh, excuse me, $4.50 for every member. Nearly 90% of this number comes from selling your information to advertisers who, in turn, Try to sell you things Facebook says you want. Number two, Facebook users are about to become billboards. In the first line of a 2,000-word letter from, from Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook founder announces the following, Facebook was not originally created to be a company, but it was built to accomplish a social mission, to make the world uh, more open and connected. Noble stuff from a guy who uh, is about to be worth nearly $30 million, billion, regardless of the original inspiration. Once Facebook goes public, Zigerberg, Zigerberg's job is to create value for shareholders. That means getting more than $4.50 a year for selling each user's information to advertisers. So, do you so wanna, that's what's at play res- here. Respond to this, Facebook user. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, oh, my goodness. This is what... Uh, I mean, uh, this, so uh, the Seventh Commandment forbids stealing, uh, which would uh, – uh, but it doesn't – it does not forbid making money. I mean, that's – you have to have – there has to be if, – if the Lord is forbidding stealing something, then there actually has to be a way for you to have something. <laughs> like information. <laughs> yeah, you're off the – I got a name for people who are completely off the grid like you. We call you a griddle. Yeah, I'm completely off the grid because I don't have Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you should see what the people on our wall are talking about you. Yeah, I don't care. At least, at least my information isn't being sold by Facebook for $120 each. Yeah, that's right. Hey, at least you're worth something. $120. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? At least you're avoiding Thanks. being exploited. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like a socialist riding economic You've article. been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.